Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. We're hoping you'll let us know what you, where you think we got it right and where we totally missed the point which you can do by visiting unsilentpodcast.com. Let's get into it. What are we talking about today, Brian? Well, Dave, what's what's up with the argument about whether or not the United States is good or bad? And, you know, of course, those are subjective terms, but that seems to be one of the underlying things right now that you and I are experiencing is half the country seems to think, yeah, this place is pretty cool. In fact, you could argue it might be the best country that's ever been. And half the country says this is a horrible place and by created by bad people. And we've spent 250 years perpetuating a bad idea and whatever. So how, how does this even come about? Like, I don't understand how we could even have a situation where, I mean, I get the grass is always greener. I kind of get that that's a human trait that we have, but how could, how could we have half the country, believe that the country shouldn't exist so I, just lay it out like what's what's your best understanding of like what the argument is for and again i think a lot of it comes down to how people view what the purpose of the country is and in particular how people view what we should be doing for uh less advantaged people perhaps uh or those who haven't had as many privileges uh throughout their life um the, a lot of the argument seems to revolve around a, a hyper focus on things that have gone wrong. So there's certainly no question that like every country, the United States has had its high points and its low points. Uh, right. that's certainly true. Uh, that's just human nature again. Uh, but it seems that there are those that would focus only on the low points and use that then as a, um, reason for fundamental change of everything that we always have been and that we always have stood for, uh, such as individual rights, such as individual freedoms and the ability to make one's own destiny for or try to make one's own destiny for good or for bad versus the role of government and the role of a just society uh, uh, making everything easy and equal in outcome for everybody. That seems to be right. sort of at the core of the disagreement that we've got. Yeah. And I think that the thing I would add to that is when you have, you know, you, you kind of have it, everything feels binary right now. So yeah. I hope I'm not oversimplifying this, but it does feel like we have kind of a binary choice before us. One is more of a socialist communist kind of, um, Tons of government programs, tons of making sure outcomes are what we want them to be. And the other one is kind of what you and I would look at, kind of what we've had, which is equal opportunity. And you, yes, you have tons of personal rights and personal freedoms, the cost of which, by the way, is personal responsibility. That's right. And so if, if you are wanting to forego the personal rights and the freedoms and things like that, and you're cool with like, okay, I'll give up the the personal responsibility. And I really want a situation where I'm taken care of. <laughs> um, that that kind of feels to me to be the choice. Like I would rather be taken care of and not have to have this responsibility because if I'm taken care of, it's really somebody else's problem when something goes sideways. And man, does that make my life easier? 
And so it's it it kind of feels like it's a again I, I don't want to be too binary, but it kind of feels like this to me. It's a choice between of people who pers- prefer to have freedom and independence versus freedom who want people who want to have comfort and safety and and that kind of stuff. Is that does that feel about right to you? I, I think that's a lot of it, and I think a lot of it, it extending that thought, Ben. I think it relates to the fact that nobody disagrees that we are the richest or most powerful country in the world. Uh, and so right. therefore then there's a belief that if we are indeed the most richest or the, the richest and the most powerful country in the world, then why do we have anybody that is suffering from poverty or uh, lower standards of living uh, than everybody else or not than everybody else than, than some people? Why is it fair that there are people that are fabulously wealthy versus people that are uh, quite poor and without much uh, of a prospect of not being poor. So why, why in the richest, most powerful country in the world are those things true? Why are things true? And I'm kind of stating it from the, from the progressive point of view. Why is it also true that we have a very high incarceration rate in this country? If we are indeed the most prosperous and the most successful country, which I would argue we are the most successful yeah. country in human history. Why are these uh, disparate outcomes uh, possible in that kind of environment? And that then I think is where a lot of the, the angst or the uh, expectation that we should be a social utopia uh, comes from. I think that's a lot of it. Right. So, what is the uh, what is the reason for the disparity? So I, I guess my my pragmatic brain says, well, it doesn't matter what kind of society you create, there's going to be disparities in outcomes because people yes. have different levels of of effort, That's uh, right. different levels of uh, they have different priorities. Um, some folks don't want to be rich. Some folks want to be stay at home parents and like take care of their kids and play catch with their kids all day long. Like. Um, does that mean then that they should both have the same instead of one of those, you know, yet two people, one who wants to build a, a big empire who wants to be a billionaire and the, and the one who wants to be a stay at home parent doesn't really want to work at all. Um, should they just split the pot 50, 50 then? And, right. And is that how it's supposed to work like that? How could, how, again, from the progressive leftist perspective, which you're really good at doing, I think, what is their vision of how that should look? Well, yeah, I think the vision is that there shouldn't be very much in terms of disparate outcomes, that there should be that all outcomes for all people should be just about the same. And there is then an oversimplification, in my view, of what causes disparate outcomes. Uh, one of the uh, uh, somebody that you and I both uh, respect a lot is Thomas Sowell. And he right. wrote a book um, where he talks about the fact of disparities and that life is full of disparities, even when there are very similar circumstances. And so that is sort of an anathema to the progressive that there could be such disparities and in particular such disparities in such a prosperous country. Now, I think right. the reason for that is back to some of the the features, it's, it's really a feature, not a bug of the country that there are disparities because those disparities are just highlighted by the fact that each of us has more individual, uh, individual, uh, you said it before responsibility, but individual opportunity and responsibility. Now there are things right. in everybody's background that 
are nobody's fault or nobody's lives fault today that cause some of those disparities. There are just natural disparities uh, of, of even things like intellect of, you know, there, there's luck. Right. Life has a lot to do with luck. One of the things that Sol points out in his book is that birth order has a great effect in same in the same families on the potential uh, success of ver- of the family members. So being first in the birth order is a tremendous value and a tremendous uh, advantage uh, to. Being successful now. Well, I'm going to take that up with my siblings. Uh, I'm the youngest of three, so I've got a real, I've got a real uh, bone to pick with them, and I'm going to well, start. I'm going to start demanding a check every month. You, you better, you better, because it's not fair, Brian. It's just it's, not. It's fair. It's really not. It's really not fair. Well, so, so what? Okay, so uh, objectively speaking, if you look at a country like and, and putting things in perspective, like you can't compare us in Cambodia and talk about wealth, but at how can we look at it from a the just the gap between the ultra rich and the ultra poor? Is it about the same? Do you think in the U.S. as it is a a third world country or or I don't know what's a third world country, but you know Cambodia or Uganda or or Venezuela or uh, you know Poland even like I mean if you look just like a, a, a spectrum of companies or countries, is is the disparity gap a Relative to the wealth difference, obviously, you know, we our country has a lot more wealth than a, than some of these other countries. But is is the gap what you is it just a human gap, or is there really a big difference in the gap for us? Well, there there's two things. There is a human gap, and there has always been rich people, and there have always been poor people throughout all of human sure. history. The difference right. in this country versus for instance, a lot of the countries you mentioned, is that there's a lot more rich people as a percentage of the population in this country than than in other countries. So in other words, gotcha. if you take a look at, at Venezuela, if you take a look at a lot of the uh, the um, uh, Middle Eastern countries and uh, other than Israel, if you take a look at a lot of those countries, what you find is that there are very, very few rich people and there is very little middle class and there's a very large uh, uh, poverty class. Uh, so right. you're going to find in this country, it's frankly more evened out than in most countries. So, and there oh, also I is a middle class yeah, too. I, I don't think the founders uh, set out to overcome human nature. No, I think they set out, set out to make the best of it. I think that's kind of how folks like you and I look at this, like in a pragmatic sense, let's we're, we're not God. We can't make things perfect. We're, we're flawed in how we approach things. We're flawed in the, in the problems we create and we're flawed in how we solve the problems. But what's the best we can do? What's, right. the, what's the best outcome we could get based on the information we have and based on a set of values that allows individuals to be individuals and also has, uh, you know, the collective protecting or being protected, you know, by things like the military and things like that. Right. I don't, I don't think they were trying to change human nature and it kind of feels like we either accept human nature or we don't. And if we, if we, or we say we don't really care about human nature and we still just want to have what we've always had throughout humanity, which is uh, top down, you know, tyranny may not be the right word for every society, but certainly top down control. Yeah. And that's really the brilliance of the founders was that they didn't try to contradict human nature. As you said, they recognized the depths of human nature and the, and how then to, take 
human nature as it is and give it the most possible benefit for a broad society that could be reasonably attained to. They took the work of the philosophers before them. They weren't just politicians. They took the work of, right. of so many philosophers that came before them back to the Greeks, back to the Romans, uh, to the Enlightenment philosophers and, and, and right. others that were contemporary with them. And they looked at how do we take the reality of what it means to be human and what it means to be a human culture and give the the individual and the society as a whole the greatest opportunity to succeed they and you know the the idea of the pursuit of happiness was really a a change that jefferson put in it was really the the philosophy that they took it from the they took the declaration from was said that we should have life liberty and property Th those were the three basic freedoms right jefferson said took property and said he you know Thoughtful guy, very a terrible sure. businessman, but a, a yeah. brilliant philosopher. And he sure. said, We're, we want to make this the pursuit of happiness, telling the people that you can go after it. You can go after what you want. Uh, you can right. become as rich as a king, but it's up to you to do it. And that's the difference. That's the difference in fundamental philosophy between the utopian progressives of today who say that there has to be uh, equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity to the greatest extent that it is possible to be there and also recognize that all of these things have numerous factors in them. The, the again, the brilliance of, of Soul's uh, argument there was that there are so many things that go into a successful person or a successful right. family. It's not, you know, if, if you look at it, it's you, you look at any of the, the, the successful tech entrepreneurs. If they'd been born 10 years earlier or 20 years earlier or 20 years later, maybe they wouldn't have succeeded in the way that they have. Right. Right. I, you know, both of us are business owners and I'm 10, no, not 10, five, five years ago, probably my wife and I were on vacation in Hawaii and we were on the island of Oahu and we went to this, this public park and it was right on the beach, of course. And we get there and we had been told about this place and the parking lot was empty and it was a huge parking lot. It probably held 150 cars, which in Oahu, that's a, that's a big, that's a big yeah. parking lot. And there's like a berm and then you could see the ocean was on the other side, but you couldn't see the water. It was like, a, there was like a berm. You had to go over from the parking lot. And the parking lot was empty except for the guy who worked there fixing the, the maintenance guy or whatever, fixing the bathrooms or whatever it was. And we couldn't figure out why the parking lot was empty. It was like a Thursday, but still in Hawaii, there's always somebody there. And we go over the berm and there's like literally 600 tents, all very <laughs> neatly organized, but it was a, it was a homeless encampment. And they, yeah. and they, it was, that was the park. Now it was a homeless encampment. And I remember driving away. We didn't stay very long because it just kind of felt sketchy or whatever. And we're driving back to the resort and I, I talked to my wife and again, I'm a business owner, you know, doing reasonably well in life. And I, <laughs> that's my wife's like, who's the dummy here? Like I'm working <laughs> my butt off trying to, trying to build something and, right. and, you know, uh, create a company and, and employ employees and worry about their livelihoods and take care of their families and set them up for success and clients and customers and whatever. And these guys just got to worry about getting fed today. Like that's their right. only concern is I need a meal today. And that's the extent of their worries. It really struck me like one of us is doing this wrong. And I honestly don't know which one it is. <laughs> you know, my point of that is they can do what they want to do. Right. I can do what they, I want to do. And provided you're not, you know, harming somebody, which, you know, some would say they shouldn't be at the, at the park. And okay, I can wrap my head around that argument, whatever. My point is, though, we're both getting what we want. So what's the right. problem? Well, yeah, that, that is that is the question. And the answer 
for the progressive is that they should be all housed in in and they should all have a similar kind of lifestyle as you have, so whether they want it or not. Dave, why should they all? I'm just going to take you through a quick a quick yeah. uh, diagnosis here. Why should they all be housed? Because it's not fair that they're not. And why is it not fair that they're not? Well, if I'm going to argue it as a progressive, I'm going to Please argue do, it. Yeah. I'm going to argue it as well. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. I mean, so the I think the the problem is that if you, for instance, in I've I've um, watching what happens in Washington State and listening to some of the interviews with a lot of some of the homeless people, they don't want to be housed. Some of them don't. Now I'm not making a right. generalization, but Understood. the progressive argument is a one inch deep argument that. They should be housed regardless of whether or not, you know, uh, they, they should have well, this I should, I should, they taking it to an extreme kind of almost absurd way. Yeah. I should have the thing as a human being. I'm entitled to have the thing yes. that is not important enough for me to go out and work for. Exactly. Right. Because the, it's a fundamental basic human right to have whatever it is that we're talking society about. Society should provide now. this. Yes. Society okay, should so, provide you. So with the it. collective should be the priority and taking care of people should be the priority rather than them having personal freedom, which also includes personal responsibility. That really right. is kind of the dividing line, isn't it? That, that is the dividing line. The dividing line is outcome, not input. In, right. in the real world, input and outcome go hand in hand. But to the progressive mindset, outcome is all important regardless of input. And this feels about the point in the conversation where I would anticipate somebody saying a progressive, if I was having this conversation with them, a leftist, where they, they would say, yeah, well, it doesn't really matter because it's stolen land anyway. And we would completely <laughs> shift the conversation. So let's talk about this now. Uh, let's talk about the, the stolen land argument. So we're a bad country because we came over on ships and we literally stole land away from um, the Native Americans, which ironically to me is, is often put in the context as if they are one group of people. Right. And they had no different values between tribes. And they were just like one one group of people who just had a bunch of different encampments across the continent. But, right. but they're ironically treated as, as, as one collective, which I think is, is wild considering there were something like, I don't know, hundreds of tribes that really did not like each other in many cases. Sometimes they really did. But in many cases, really did not get along well with each other. Anyhow... We come over, Whitey comes over and just like steals this like you would steal a car. And therefore, all the conversation you and I just has moot because it doesn't matter what your intentions are. You stole the land. So let's talk about that. What, what do you well, think about what do you think that, about that? That comes from that comes from a different standard for the United States than every other country in the history of planet Earth has ever had. <laughs> I mean, right. so, so here, here's the, here's the thing about life on earth for, let's say the past 10,000 years of recorded history, peoples who were stronger invaded the peoples who were next to them or that were, that they could reach that were weaker and took their stuff and took their land. Right. Uh, right. The, the dominant. But, but Dave, you don't understand it was only, only white people who did that. You don't understand. <laughs> well, and in reality, the, the fact of the matter is it, what mattered is, could you get to somebody? The question is, yeah. do they have something you want? Could you get to them? Yeah. So you could take Southern Europeans uh, who were a little darker complected than my ancestors who were uh, who right. were from Ireland and who yeah. would invade uh, South America 
and take their stuff, take their gold back to Spain right. and, and Portugal, etc. So in, in, in each situation, whatever evil you perceive that historically happened in the United States, first of all, is a common evil. It's not to say it wasn't evil. There's not to say that the, the bad things didn't happen. Uh, but you take things like slavery, you take things like invading other nations around you and taking their stuff and taking their land and taking their people. Those are common bugs of the human experience in every place on the entire planet forever. Now, again, you, you can say two things can be true at once. You can say this is how huma humanity has behaved throughout all of history. And you could also say that it doesn't mean that something that was done that everybody does was wrong and you shouldn't do something about it. Should you yeah. then recompense somebody for something that you've taken? Well, and to that, then you get to the question of how, how long does that, how long does that happen? You know, so. Yeah. What's the window of time that we're going to operate under that rule where the there's statute of limitations. And, yes. And, and if we're only going to carve out from 1619 or 1776, forward and only the continent of North America, then we're being pretty selective about how we do that. That's what, right. What is, um, what is the distinction? You know, we, we hear the word soul and land and what you were talking about is people conquering other people. Yes. And sometimes conquering is done through war. Sometimes it's done through in, in this case, just the overwhelming numbers of people coming here. Um, I wouldn't say it was war. So I mean, there was wars, but that, I wouldn't say it was that so much. It was just like, we just over <laughs> Europeans just overwhelmed the continent and that's just yeah. kind of how it went. Right. That's more of a conquering than a stealing. And that's, and the conquering is what's happened all through humankind. That's right. Is, is there any distinction between what is stolen land and what is conquered land? And again, what you're describing is like all through human history, uh, there's zero case of people not either invading through just migration or war taking stuff like that's, that is the human story almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there really, and there's really no difference. If, if I go and I conquer the business across the street by force or whether in, or I yeah. invade them or I go over there and I steal, it's the same thing. There's no difference. Right. And, and it's no difference between, uh, we, the, what happened between a number of tribes as well. There was a lot of tribal warfare. The right. one tribe would conquer another, a, a, a peaceful and tribe. Would conquer conquer back three and a half years later. And, and it was just kind of a back and forth. Yeah. And it's what happened in Europe too. I mean, most people don't realize in European history that at one point, one of the, the largest empires in Europe was the Lithuanian empire. Now I know where right. Lithuania is, but I doubt that most Americans could tell you that it's the, the southernmost Baltic state, you know, and it's yeah. a very nice little peaceful place these days. So, uh, empires come and go and the, and the fact of, of human history is there is, uh, this, those who were stronger conquering those that were not. And it doesn't make it pretty, but it's so, true. Yeah. And, and here's the irony for me in this, in this entire argument of the, the stolen land and the, and whatever. If you were to, if you were to really genuinely, sincerely, um, take heart to the native American situation, which I do, by the way, I think, I think it's like crummy that this happened. Yeah. I don't know that any less crummy than what happened in, in Spain or Portugal or Mongolia. I, it, it's happened in tons of places. And, and it, I think it's sad whenever people lose it. I don't think yes. it's any less sad here than it was somewhere else. So it's my, point. no, but if you were to really take an earnest, like sincere approach to this, like, Hey, this is really kind of a crappy thing that happened. We begin to ask, like, well, why is it crappy? Well, the people, they, they lost their whole livelihood. They lost their entire way of being. 
Yes. Uh, they, 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 they lost in their entire philosophy. They, and, and of course the place they live now. So if you really cared about that though, I would ask what's the difference between Europeans coming here from England and Ireland and things like that and, and doing that to the native Americans versus what is being attempted now to people who live here today by people who are infiltrating the values and, and it's not land being taken necessarily. Although I would argue that they, if they could, they probably would. What's the difference between the behaviors that happened then that drove out the native Americans and the behaviors that are happening now in an attempt to drive out people like me and you who have traditional Judeo Christian values and whatever, like what, what is the behavioral difference between those two situations? Well, I mean, you, you could say that the methodologies are different, but you can't sure. say that the that the underlying power motivation and 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 greed is any different. I mean, a a feature yeah. a, a a part of being human, a part of of human societies has always been to to take what you need by force, survival yeah. of the I fittest. Want your stuff. Yeah, yeah. If I want your stuff, and I've got the ability to take Montana. It. I'll take that. If your stuff is your house in. You know, Oakland. I'll take that. If your yeah. if your stuff is your place in society, I'll take that. If your stuff is money or whatever, like I don't understand the the irony of many of these things that I think we disagree with progressives and like people. And by the way, I would not consider myself a hardcore conservative. I would say the spectrum moved, and I more or less stayed in the same place. But now I'm seen as like this, whatever <laughs> ultra right, whatever. Anyhow, I one of the one of the things that the ironies of the of the arguments we have are for me, is the behaviors that people today are so critical of happening 100 years ago, 80 years ago, 250 years ago, 300 years ago, are the exact same behaviors they're doing today. I don't understand that a single difference in somebody migrating here from another place and displacing somebody physically versus an open border where we're bringing people to migrate here and displace somebody it might be the difference. Okay, you're you're losing your front yard, or you're losing the city park, or you're losing the the community rec center. You're losing the elementary school. It's still somebody else is getting it, and it was your stuff a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's underlying human behavior that that causes this, and always has. Our our methodologies now are sometimes more uh, or more polished, shall we say, than they used to be. Sophisticated um, for sure, yes. More sophisticated. Uh, but, um, but we see the same thing. I mean, we see, uh, look in, in, uh, I mean, we're right now as in our point in history where we're recording, uh, we've got the whole, uh, war in Europe, Russia and Ukraine, you know, one country having the power and the might to attempt, they believe at least to take over another country. And now when, when that first started happening in, in Crimea, uh, back in, was it 2014? I think it was, uh, I remember, uh, President Obama at the time said, Basically, you can't do that. This is the 21st century. That's that's not how we behave anymore. Uh, when right. he said that at the time, I'm like, I, I wish that was true. But what you're yeah. talking about is human nature. They they saw that they had a need. They saw the Russians, Putin thinks he's got this need or this desire, or this want, and he's got the power, so he's going to go take what he thinks he needs. And that right. is. That is human behavior that has always been the case. We have not outgrown that because we have not the same things that motivate us to a great extent uh, 5,000 years ago still motivate us today. And the difference between the progressive and the conservative, the right and the left, if you will, is the fact that 
somebody on the right and the uh, identifying with the founders, we know that this is how it works. And therefore, we right. try to design systems in order to to mitigate the bad because, yeah, it's bad. It's, you know, what, what was done to native tribes, uh, was bad. What was done to, you know, I, I what, what the, uh, Genghis Khan and his, his folks did in, in their mass migrations and their mass conquerings, that was bad. You know, right. I could point to, uh, any number of, of things throughout history and say, that wasn't a good thing, but it's also part of humanity. How do we create a system? in order to mitigate the bad and maximize the good for the most people possible, recognizing that we will never get, we're never going to have everybody being rich. We're, I mean, yeah. even in Jesus' day, he said, you, the poor you will always have with you. You do good to the poor, right. do things that are beneficial to people within the context of a fallen universe. If you do this, then you will be better than if you don't do it. Or if you pretend, as the left wants to do, that a utopia where everybody is all the same, we're all equally rich, you know, the, this formulation of Karl Marx, each according to his, uh, each, each gives Needs, according to their ability yeah. and each receives according to the need. That is yeah. a bizarrely utopian and impossible thing that has never, ever worked in the history of man. So as best you can in, in a minute or less, describe how a progressive would articulate what utopia is supposed what this is supposed to look like. If we, if we could just get past dummies like Dave and Brian and I could have my way, what would it look like? Everybody is fed. Everybody has equal amount of wealth. Everybody is no, nobody dislikes another person or treats another person poorly because they have any kind of difference between themselves. Uh, there is equal share of everything for everybody. Everything is 100% fair. I think that what describes the, the, universe of the progressive is everything is a hundred percent fair. Nobody looks askance at somebody else and because of who they are or, or anything about them. Nobody thinks anybody else does anything wrong. That's a microaggression and microaggressions aren't allowed. That's right. the progressive uh, utopia. So I, got, I got three questions for you then. So why, what's the harm in, in somebody who wants that, just going to whatever place they want to be, whatever climate they like in the United States with 50 of their closest friends and just starting a commune and having exactly that. What's what's wrong with that? Why can't that just be the solution? Well, some of them do. uh, And, and, you know, they are to one extent or another successful or not successful. So that does happen. But then you get back to that old human nature thing again that says that my idea is right and I just don't want it for me. I want it for you too, Brian. I want you to live right. fairly too. And so therefore yeah. you have to do it as well. It's it's back I to that same thing. You, you know fairly well, actually you know this person really, really well, who I asked this one time and I said, I asked that, I posed that exact question. Why don't you just go to whatever climate you want to be in, whether it's the rainy Pacific Northwest or the desert or whatever, the mountains and the Rockies or whatever, and do this? And he basically said, well, we need your money. Yeah. <laughs> it's an honest well, answer. My second, question, <laughs> yeah, my second question is, if we have this situation where, uh, again, going back to my earlier example with the people living in the tent and the, and the person building a business and, and they split the things equally, how do we overcome the problem where the people who are earning just dwindle because 
they can get by without working so hard. And if I can be on the dole versus having to produce, and I don't mean that in a negative way, so maybe I shouldn't say on the dole. I, I can receive more than I produce. And I just, my my balance internally shifts where it's like, okay, well, I'm okay having less to do less. Um, and I can maintain a certain standard of life by doing like not much. I don't see how you would ever have a situation where that migration wouldn't begin to happen where people would just over time, weeks, months, years, decades, whatever, would just do less. Yeah. And and be more on the receiving end than the, the producing end. So yeah, how do we overcome that? You don't. Yeah, I mean, that's what okay. happened to the Soviet Union. I mean, so you yeah. took a look at a at a situation where the Tsarist Empire, the Tsar was out of touch. Uh, without going too much into detail, the czar was out yeah, of yeah. touch, and you know it's kind of a kind of a, uh, a Marie Antoinette thing. Let them eat cake, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if if you if you disincentivize people from working by giving somebody else the same output or the same benefit for less right. or no work, then natural human nature says fewer people are going to work. You can't change that. Yeah. It's, you can't change human nature. Society, the, one of the fundamental problems with leftism and progressivism is this idea that if you get the right system, it will change human nature. That has never happened. It doesn't work. Well, we can modify yeah, and, a little bit. And, and let's say we do get the right system. Let's say we, we create this utopian place where everyone does exactly what Karl Marx said. And it's everyone produces their high output and they're doing their best and they're kicking butt and they're producing all this money and all this wealth for other people to share because the other people are just, they're just not motivated or they don't have that smarts or whatever. Why wouldn't somebody else just come take all that? Right. <laughs> Why wouldn't Brazil or South Africa or Romania or pick whatever country? Why wouldn't they go, well, that looks pretty cool. We want all that stuff and just come take yeah. it. Well, and there you go. That's that's why they say they want a worldwide revolution, you know, viva la revolution, yeah. you know, that be, because, again, that is going to be that's going to be what happens. You, if you discount human nature, you do so at your own risk every time. So we, we've got the geo-Christian values, which is what makes people think that the country is bad. We've got the Solon land argument. I think we've covered that. We've got the the wealth gap. And again, I'm still not quite sure in the wealth gap. You know, if, if the if the gap here is Elon Musk to the, the homeless person in San Francisco, what would the equivalent be in again, like Cambodia, Uganda, whatever? I don't know what those countries income is like, but it seems to me like it would be relative. Like you would have a lesser ultra rich person and a lesser ultra poor person, but yeah. they're probably both living in similar circumstances relative to. So that seems like a wash. Yeah. What are the other things that you think that people are, you know, what's at the heart of this? We're, it's just a bad country and we're just better just to scrap it and start over. Well, of course, there is other disparities. So the healthcare disparity is one of them because we have a right. certain amount. I mean, it, there's really not much anymore because government pays for the majority of healthcare, frankly, ultimately for all of us, even if we have private health insurance, uh, a great deal of it is essentially controlled or, or um, paid for in some fashion by the government. So, but that sort of disparity is one that people have, have objected to that we don't have fully universal yeah. healthcare, um, which, which again, is, which is, a, which is a, a, a piece of the monetary thing. It's a yeah. piece of the, the, the money it costs to, to live, that kind of thing, right? So and, that's and it's simple, personal that's responsibility too. I mean, some of it is, yep. is back to personal responsibility because, uh, if, if, 
in some places, you are not allowed to buy your own, uh, pay for any of your own health care. It has to be only what the government does. It's like, I think, Canada, Cuba, and North Korea, the, the yeah. three great countries that do that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so, I don't know if anybody's listening in the future to what we're talking about today, but it, it, in this moment right now, those are not three places I'd want to move to. <laughs> no, 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 neither would I. Um, so there's that. There's an, the other one of the other big disparities that's talked about. In addition to the ones we've we've talked about so far, is is prisons, is prison population, uh, because we do have a high incarceration rate in the country. Now yeah. the question around that is whether you look at disparate outcomes or you look at disparate inputs. I would argue, right. and I do argue, that if you want to understand why there is this this outcome, is it because of structural inequities in the country? Is it because of racism or 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 classism or something like that? Or are there other things that are inputs to that that are causing that to be the case? So if you want to – it would be right. great if we had less people in prison. It would be even better if we had fewer people committing prime, crimes that land them in prison. And that's an argument right. then that is determined by by progressives to be a some kind of bigoted argument or something like that. You can't look at inputs. You sure. only can look at outputs. Yeah. We can't talk about how many fathers are in homes or not in right. homes. We can only talk about things like how many freckles this person has who's in who's in prison versus right. how many freckles that person has. Um, I I do think on the on the prison thing, there is a a uniquely maybe not uniquely but. Uh, more so in America, I think we see this kind of nimbyism, like yeah. um, this calculus uh, calculus of what's the least I can do to get the best output or uh, best outcome. And right. That's probably a human thing, but I think we we have more of it here. Like uh, the NIMBY thing is is definitely uh, you know yeah. we love spending somebody else's money and don't even think about it, right? Absolutely. Um, I think prisons is is a place where that is really highlighted. The we are. Arguably, we we spend behind defense. I don't know. I would guess that some, you know, uh, prosecutors and judges and things like that. Maybe behind schools, I guess. But it's pretty high up there. How much money we spend on on police and judges and things like that? Right. I, think I don't think what... it's super high. I don't think it's super high. Our investment in energy, meaning our, our energy, personal energy, not not gasoline, energy, time, and money on creating outcomes for people to not go back to prison once they're right. there. Right. It's kind of like, you know, I watched the, you know, there's a, a TV show many years back when the, the Afghanistan war was really in full swing. And there was a, a, a guy there like on seal team six or something like that. And he was helping like figure out what to do over there. And, and basically he said, stop sending military people, start sending doctors, mm -hmm. start sending teachers. Mm -hmm. And if we start sending doctors and teachers, we will really change what's going on over sure. here. These people win a war for 1,200 years. They can endure our right. little 20 years that we're going to commit to warring here. Right. And then they're going to go back to what they want to do. But if we sent doctors and teachers, we would really put change in place. Right. And we basically said, eh, we're not really into that. Yeah, that's not our <laughs> and thing. It does kind of feel like we do that with things like prisons. Like yeah. we'll invest a lot in security and iron and guards and stuff like that. We won't invest in these other things that might prevent recidivism right. because we really don't want to have these conversations about what causes it. Exactly. You can't talk about fatherhood. You can't talk about education. You can't talk about getting married and staying in a monogamous relationship. Right. The, the things that lead to not going to prison. We can't talk about those things because that would be bad. Right. And so therefore, why invest talking about that? I, so I do think there's things we could do better there for sure. Absolutely. But you can't have the conversations that would 
cure it, like what else are you supposed to do, I guess? Well, and we can't have those conversations because we believe that we're putting unfair judgments on people, on people's lifestyles, on on things, as you said, like fatherhood, uh, you know, well, you're unfairly judging these people and therefore we can't have that conversation. There, there are, I think in a lot of those cases, however, we do take, uh, our, our country takes a, a blunt hammer approach to how we do some. Yeah. So, so that is something. I mean, the, the other criticism we get as, as America is, uh, is we're all over the world warring and imposing our will on other people. And, and, and we do take a great blunt hammer approach, uh, a lot of blunt yeah. force approach to those things a lot of times. And so there is, you know, I, I think as we look at some of those criticisms, we can say not that, and this is again, I think the difference between the, uh, progressive and the conservative is a conservative can say, Yes, there's things that are going that we should do better that we're not doing perfectly. But because we're not doing things perfectly does not mean we are instantaneously evil. You're either perfection right. in utopia or you're the worst country that's ever been, you know, on the face of the earth. I think we can say yeah. logically that we can look and say, well, look at, look at the experience we've had in, in war throughout the world. Some of them have been really, really good. We've done a lot of good with our military. There's been times we made some significant mistakes with the military as well and could yeah. have run things better. That doesn't mean that we should disarm. Yeah. The, the irony of that part, like when you look at the things that we've done really, really poorly, yeah. you know, the, the CIA and the military and the military industrial complex and all that stuff, right. that rabbit hole we could go down that I don't want to go down. But if you look at all the arguments that, that most people in the country would agree, yeah, we really kind of screwed that up. Yeah. Those things are cured by having less secrets, less centralized power, more right. transparency, more conversation. Like right. the things that, conservatives are generally pushing for or the things that cure those problems. That's right. That's and, right. And the things that, that progressives and leftists are pushing for generally create more of that because there's more secrecy. There's more centralized power. There's fewer who have more and they can impose their will. And now with technology evolving the way it has, we don't send 140,000 Mongols to go conquer a place. Right. You send three drones by a, a 19 year old kid operating it in, you know, Salt Lake city or something right. like that, who never right. even leaves, leaves his backyard. Yeah. And, and I think we also have to take a, I think we have to take all of those things on balance and then come up with better solutions. We can take a look at, you take a look at the last hundred years. And for instance, the world war two and the outcome for Japan was devastating for Japan. I mean, right. nuclear bomb, first place, nuclear bombs have been dropped. Uh, but look at Japan Today, look at it from, from a last 50 years perspective, a, a world power, and they probably wouldn't have been a world power had the United States not been involved with them. Uh, South Korea, right. look at, you look at a number of different places where we have had successful experiences. What can we learn from those experiences? What can we learn about our experience in Af Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, other places? There, these these things have to be taken a look at in, in multi-factor analysis. And the people that say the United States is bad, they say that on balance we're the worst, whatever. They usually take a right. look at it from a very shallow perspective, not from a holistic perspective. If you take a look at it, for, and also not from a holistic perspective and the philosophy. So I say I believe some things as a human being. Do I 100% do everything that I believe I should do as a human being? No. 
No, nobody does. No, no, nobody does. The United does, States, yeah. our, our founders were brilliant in that they set out these checks and balances, these guardrails for society, and they set out some aspirations. We want to form a society in which everybody is has equal opportunity and 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 equal opportunity to advance all of these things, but they allowed for slavery to exist in 1776. Was it perfect? Right. Did did they get it right? Did they get everything right? No, but they set out a framework in which slavery was bound to be to fail, was bound to collapse, even though it took six hundred thousand of of American men to die for right. that. The founders are the ones that really started. Well, that they didn't start, but from a from a structural, from a philosophical framework for this country, they're the ones that created a system whereby, and they knew this. They knew this. They yeah. knew that even though they were, in, you know, uh, Jefferson had slaves, a number of had slaves. They knew that the system that they put into place was going to lead to the eventual end to slavery here, as it had in England right. beforehand, and that that perfection wasn't attained overnight. So that, yeah, that's that seems like like counter to human nature, which is they should have woke up one day sprinting, not crawling and walking right. and run jogging. It doesn't work like, that way. Like it, it, that's just that's not that's not realistic to have those kinds of expectations. I don't think. No, it isn't, I, and that's it, why most of the arguments for the U.S. is uniquely evil. That's why it fails. That's why those arguments fail because they don't take into account reality. They take, they think that, yeah. that they should have started with, okay, here's everything that we're going to do. It's going to be utopia. We're going to have women voting. We're going to have all these different things happening, which are good things that never would have right. happened had they said, this is what we're going to do. We would have remained right. a vassal state to, to England or whoever took the us over. The other thing that, that I think is, is not, it, we lose sight of this, I think, sometimes just because it, it's not a common thing to think about. But if if we operate in the premise that all people are are basically the, you know the same goodness, yes. despite skin color, despite those kinds of immutable characteristics, which I fully believe, like I don't sure. think that different races are superior. And okay, if we operate under that premise, and it was Native Americans were you know white people, and the people who invaded were a different race. Would it have gone any other way? No, no, no. It's 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 not like this conquering was a uniquely European white person thing. No, uh, I don't think Genghis Khan was all that European white person ish. Nope. Um, the, 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 again, the native tribes that were here, the native tribes that are in South uh, South America, um, all this has gone on by every race everywhere, and same with slavery and and same all the things that we are completely aghast at for happening here happen have ha happened everywhere before then and are happening today in this country and in other countries again the same behaviors of of we come in what you have as is mine for the taking if i can figure out how to do it and i have the means to do it the behaviors are the same like we're it, it's it's peculiar to me to to pick this little window of time this little geog just little spot of geography and and it's only bad happening here. Meanwhile, I can still do it if I have the right if I have the right value system today, and I I want to push you know old people out of the way who have stuff, and I can just get it because I can. Like it's okay then, which is the same thing that people thought back when they were doing it that we're now calling bad. It, it's 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 a superficialism 
and, and, and a lack of, of vision, I think, that causes those things to happen. So we look at, for instance, the superficial differences between people, and therefore, and part of the problem of the left is we want to make right what was done wrong to people for superficial differences, a, a.k.a. skin color, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, or, or you know, sexual orientation or whatever, you you want to you want to make right what was done wrong for because of superficial differences, but we want to do it in a superficial way. We want to right. now privilege certain superficial differences uh, or historical differences, and you know, I, and some of that really relates to how do you how do you create a just society? How do you how do you look at the the society in the US and say these things were done wrong and how then do we make a more just society now? Can we create more justice today by doing evil to uh, make up for evil that was done in the past? No, right. you really don't do Which, that. As we discussed last time is the perpetual cycle of humanity. Yes. Either we are superior because God anointed us or the universe made us superior in some way that we believe we are, which history will show was not true in most cases, but right. the people at the time believe it, or we are righteous in our retaliation because of something you've done to us. Right. That That is the story of humanity, and we're doing the exact same thing here, just as, as the people who are being criticized did in their time, and just as our great-great-grandchildren will do in their time. Exactly, exactly. And, and we are better off if we recognize humanity and then try to um, to mold it or not mold it, but try to direct it in such a way that is beneficial. So if you take a look at people talk about the United States, well, we're a greedy, greedy country. We're the most greedy country. Look at all the money we've got. We've got, you know, X percent. I don't know the numbers offhand, but we've got X percent of the world's wealth and we've only got 5% of the world's population. We're so greedy. Well, no, what happened in the United States is the founders knew that a system that directed human greed in the most beneficial way possible. And, you know, we call this capitalism. We call this free market. Right. You know, uh, I compete against you. You compete against me. We're both going for the same dollar. Whoever is, you know, whoever's better gets there and gets that dollar. That's directing it in a better way than it used to work in the past where right. the king and the person with the sword got the dollar and that yeah. was accepted. So if you, and I, yeah, go ahead. So if you direct, if you take the the bugs of humanity, if you will, if you if you take natural human greed and competitiveness and all those things and say, I recognize this as reality. I'm not going to try and fight it and say it's not true. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to constrain it so it does the most good that it can. So for instance, human greed, I'm gonna try to to make that motivation for getting more. I'm not going to call it greed. I'll call it, you know, uh, ambition. And I'm right. going to try to direct it in such a way that it's most beneficial for society while allowing the person to have their full expression of who they are. That's a yeah. smart system that recognizes reality and still uh, uh, has a just and fair system as best it can be. Yeah, I, I think whenever I hear the, the yeah, but America is greedy. I always think of Milton Friedman when he was on Phil Donahue in like 1986 or something like that. And he said, uh, go ahead and give me the list now of all the societies that were not greedy. <laughs> and and <Brilliant>. I'm waiting. <laughs> right. Like it, this, this is not a societal thing. This is not a, a geography thing. This is a human nature. It's thing. human. Every society is greedy. Exactly. And I would argue that the, the, the societies you would find that would be the closest to not being greedy. I'm thinking like the Tibetan monks and things like that. 
have a pretty strong religious spin right. Uh, right. Or, or drive, which would which not would not work for the argument being made by the people about how bad we are for being uh, greedy capitalists. Exactly right. Um, all right, Dave. Is there anything else we got to cover on this? Anything else you can think of that other other um, positions that are taken that would ex- explain why the United States is such a bad country and we're just better off if it was just gone and we started with something entirely new? Well, the only th- here's how I'll summarize it. Um, the only way you can determine, you, you can really make that argument as a holistic argument is not by comparing us to every other society, as you just mentioned, uh, right. in human history, but comparing us to a utopian perfect society, which has never existed. Yeah. So we're yeah, not so as I good as we could be, but we're better than everything. Yeah, the foundational question should be, what will we compare our successes or failures too. Right. That's it. Are we going to compare it to centuries of human history and contemporary, um, you know, countries now, or are we going to compare it to a, a utopian thing that nobody's ever seen? Exactly. If the answer is we're going to compare it to real life, other, you know, human history and countries that are, that are in, you know, around now, I don't know anybody who would argue and say, yeah, there's things we could get better at. Of course. Um, I do think that if we're going to like, just completely like, you know, wad it up and throw the whole thing away and start over on the premise that it's, it's not as good as the utopian thing that the, that the Harvard graduate has cooked up in their (laughs) mind over, you know, their Cheerios and weed or whatever. (laughs) I don't know a lot of folks who are just going to like go in for that because it just, it's not practical. It's not realistic. It's not. And I think, I think that's the problem where, where the conversation is lost is, is there's tons of things we could get better at it. I don't know anybody who wouldn't want to get better. And like you said, like looking at Japan, Japan's a fantastic example. They had the, the probably the worst outcome of any country after World War II. Yes. For things that happened between them and China beforehand, like there was tons of things that were, like they had probably the worst outcome. One of the ways that they got out of that was by a guy named Dr. Edward Deming revitalizing their entire automotive industry. They had, they had a horrible industry over there. Their entire country's infrastructure was wrecked. And how they revitalized it was through objectivity, personal uh, 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 responsibility, mm-hmm. like measuring in an objective way, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? And the manufacturing world had to get better at things that they were not very good at. Right. And and that kind of personal responsibility on a very large scale, the entire automotive and all the instru- infrastructure over there got better because of taking this kind of we're in it this is yep. where we're at nobody's yep. coming to save us if we're going to compete we have to be better than they are exactly and you know what by 1981 they were better than us right we were putting out the ford pinto and they were putting out the the, the camry right which you know arguably the greatest car ever made right. and that happened in 35 years because they did things like personal responsibility and objective assessment of performance and and all these things that we talked about that was the route to them coming back and that's American and, philosophy and practice, right? And right. I think that's where you, I think that's where all the differences come back to is you have to compare philosophies and with other philosophies, and then look for examples of where they work or where they don't work, and then implement. And that's what has occurred across the this country and the things we've exported to Europe and Asia and other places that have helped them be right. more successful. Which I think on the on the uh, if you're looking at you know all these things are are looked at through a lens of a value system. Yes, and we have a traditional you and I and and many people who live in this country have a traditional Judeo-Christian value system, where 
the balance of personal responsibility and societal obligation is the way it is. Yes. And other folks have a different skew or a different balance on how they see that there should be less personal responsibility and more societal obligation. And, and that makes sense to them, but it, it also seems to depend on how much of this is pragmatism, how much of this is like accepting what is with human nature. There are flaws that we, we cannot change and no amount of Yale education is going to overcome that. Yeah. And I think some folks just believe that they can overcome that. Yeah, that, that is that is the fundamental self-deception of the left is the is the thought that we can change fundamental human nature. And that just has never worked in all human history. And who's ever got a degree now is not going to make it any. It's not going to change it either. Right. Right. So it's kind of like our legal system. The United States is the worst country of all of them, except for when compared to all the rest of them. Except for everybody else. <laughs> exactly right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right, Dave. Anything else uh, this week? I think we're good, Brian. We've we've successfully defined the uh, right-left divide on whether the United States is good or not. I love it. Yeah. So for those of you listening, uh, we hope to hear from you guys. One again, one of the things we want to be uh, truthful about is is correctly articulating these arguments and correctly stating where the real disagreements are. We don't want to fall in the trap of just making caricatures out of people we disagree with, like like we complain about happening to us. And so if you think we got something wrong or if you think we got it right, we'd love for you to chime in and tell us. You can go to unsilentpodcast.com to find our social media channels there, or you can try to find us on YouTube and Rumble. Search around there. You'll find us as well. But unsilentpodcast.com is the website you can go to to find links to all those things. Really, we would love to hear your thoughts. Where, where do you think we got it right? Where do you think we got it wrong? If you were explaining this to your you know, junior high kid or a foreign exchange student or somebody who lived 100 years from now, how would you explain how this is going on? How would you explain what we're arguing about as, as, as it relates to whether or not the United States is a quote-unquote good country or not? So anyhow, Dave, thanks again for your time. As always, great to see you. And uh, until next time, this is Dave and Brian signing off. See you next week. Do you want to be on silent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 